So, Lord, uh, Father, you are good. Father, here's our heart. I love how that song just proclaimed that, Lord. So that is our prayer this morning, Heavenly Father, that we would open our hearts. We would open our souls to you and your spirit. Lord, I pray that every word I speak, that by your spirit it will be protected and that you will close my mouth if there's anything that's not uh, needed to be said and, and, and say whatever it is that needs to be said, Lord. But ultimately, let your name reign this morning, Father. So open our hearts, open our minds. Um, Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So good morning. Happy Father's Day to those fathers who are already fathers and those who are soon to be fathers. I know we have plenty of those. Uh, my name is Nori. I am not the teaching pastor here. I am just, uh, I just got the job to do this this morning, um, but I'm very excited for it. It's, uh, it's going to be a good day. We are in the middle of uh, of a series called Stewardship. Um, if you come to the bridge often, you know that we kind of, you know, take a passage and just teach through it. For, the, for last week, this week, and next week, we kind of tackle this topic of stewardship, and, and we believe that it's very valuable, and, and which it is. We, we, you know, we look at Jesus' life, and we look at the steward of stewards. Um, and so we think it's very important. Uh, Kurt kicked us off last week with a, the message of stewardship of our time and how our time ought to be used for the glory of God. And that's somewhat the underlying theme for all of stewardship is that our lives ought to be used for the glory of God. So that's kind of where we're sitting at. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to a couple of places, um, one being Romans 12, Colossians 1, and John 1. Also, if you have a smart device, an iPhone or an iPad, go to your events, click on the events button, and you can click on the Bridge Montrose. That will really help you today, since we're going to be jumping around quite, uh, in quite a lot of places. All the scriptures will be there, somewhat in order, maybe not 100%, but they will be there, and you don't have to turn a million places. Also, it will be here on the back, on the screens. So like I said, we're in this, this message of stewardship, and this word stewardship, Kurt kind of defined it for us last week, but, but I looked it up, and I, I went and looked at the, the kind of the root word, which is this word oikonomia, which I know sometimes if I pronounce something funny, it, it might just be an accent uh, thing, and so if, if I get in a conversation with you, and we're, we're having maybe a business-oriented conversation, and I say... Um, you know what, the economia is doing really bad at the moment. You can almost hear the word economy in there, right? And that's where we get the word economy. And so that word economy simply uh, means this. It means the management of a household, and it refers to the responsibility that is entrusted to a manager. Okay, so in essence, it's what we do with what we have been given, right? What we do with what we have been given. Very simple, very concise, not too much to it. Uh, maybe in a biblical perspective, we can look at stewardship as stewardship is our faithfulness in using whatever God gives us for His glory. Simple. I think we can all understand that. Stewardship is our faithfulness in using whatever God gives us for His glory. So what I'm saying is this, is that whether you are a gifted musician or an interior designer or an engineer or a doctor or an athlete, whatever it is, it ought to be used for the glory of God. That's where, that's, that's kind of the, keep that on your heart as we continue this. But what this brings up is that you're going to use those talents for one of two things. You're either going to serve God with those talents or you're going to serve yourself with that 
talent. And so when we talk about serving uh, ourselves with that talent, we're, we're relating to this thing called the, the original, the first tragedy or the tragedy of the, the first Adam, right? And then when we, when we look at serving God and serving others with our talent, it's this thing that's called the triumph of the second Adam, which is Jesus. Um, and when we use our talents for God's glory, that's what we're participating in. And that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And and out of this paradigm comes this question, and here's where we're camping today. So if you want to write down this question, am I the Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? I'll say that again. Am I the Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? Um, and I believe that the way that we answer this question is, is going to determine in every single way how we use our talents and our abilities. Okay, and especially, and I'm not talking about how we, how we answer this with our mouths, but it's, it's how do we answer that question with our hearts, right? What does your heart say about that question? Is, am I the Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? And your heart is going to determine your actions, right? Um, and so keep that on your mind as we continue through the rest of this message. Um, here's kind of a, a forecast for us, so to speak, today. Um, just that way you don't get lost. Sorry, let me just drink some water here. I'm nervous speaking in front of all of you. Um, Romans uh, 12, verse 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles open, go to Romans uh, 12, verse 1 and 2. Um, it says this. It should be here on the back. I'll give you one second quickly to turn there. Um, it says this, and I quote, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, so what we're going to say today is that, that your talents and your abilities and the things that you've been gifted with, the only way that you can give glory to God is if there's been a supernatural transformation inside of you that, that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if not, you're going to try and give glory to God and you're going to try and do all these good things and it's going to be motivated out of guilt and duty and self-righteousness. And that cannot sustain. We're going to be around here for about, some of you, maybe 90 years, Right? That's, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good life if you've lived 90 years. But, but at the end of the day, guilt and duty and self-righteousness is not going to sustain you to daily wake up and give glory to God. All right? So, so our goal then is this, is to discover, all right, it, it, I say that it is going to be a transformation. What causes that transformation? Okay? And we're going to start with this question is, who created me and for what purpose was I created? And what does my talents have to do with any of that? All right, last uh, Thursday, we kicked off our summer Bible study um, on a Thursday night, which everybody's welcome to, um, with Travis Hall, uh, talked about our, our God as our creator, God Elohim. And it, and it was just this beautiful message of God as this powerful, huge, um, just majestic creator. And that's, a, that's kind of where we're at in this, this first point, that you were created by God for God. I'll say that again. You were created by God for God. Let's read John 1, verse 3. All things were made through him, Jesus, and without him, not anything was made that was made. Let's go to Colossians 1, 16. 
It says, by and for by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things will create, were created through him and for him. So it's Father's Day, and I don't know if you, uh, if you experienced the same thing, but I was little, when I was little, um, my mom would give us money to go buy a gift for my dad, and maybe same thing. Um, during Christmas time, and, and this is not, don't think too much into this, but this is just the idea, and this is the place where I want for your heart to be this morning, as, is that there's a giver, the one who, who created it all, and he gave you these gifts, okay? And how do you steward that? Just kind of keep that in mind. Um, I was watching America's Got Talent last week. There's a new season out, and uh, I saw this clip because it just kind of it popped up, and, and, and it was this little 12-year-old girl who sang and and it was awesome, and she got what was called the golden buzzer. I don't know if you guys watched the show. The golden buzzer means you kind of, I think you go to the final, maybe, or something like that. Um, needless to say, uh, Simon Cowell, who's kind of the, the main guy, he, he's, he said, you are the next Taylor Swift. Now, she's 12 years old, okay? And when you hear her sing, you kind of you say, yeah, I get it. Like, that is, like, she's literally going to be the next Taylor Swift. She kind of looks the same, and she sounds awesome. I mean, she's 12 years old. And all I keep thinking about as I have this thing of talents on my mind, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Like, that is what you call a God-given talent. And, and I'm not saying she didn't practice hard or didn't work hard. I didn't. We're going to get to that in a minute. But that was what I was thinking about, a God-given talent. So keep that on your mind, is that you were created by God, for God. And you were created exactly the way that you were supposed to be created, all right? You might not be the next Taylor Swift. While we were standing there in the back, Keith told me, he's like, I'm going to take this off mute, so, so make sure you turn it off, the, the microphone. And as I was singing, I was just making that this thing is off because I, I'll tell you what, I'm not the next Taylor Swift. And when it comes to talents, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but, but here's the thing. You must know and you must understand this truth. You were created exactly the way that God intended for you to be created with the exact set of gifts and abilities that God wanted for you to have. Okay? You were not a mistake. All right? I know some of you might have that in the past of your parents told you you were a mistake or an accident. That is a lie from the devil, Right? You're not a surprise, folks. Listen, your parents might have been surprised when they say, well, Keith, he's on his way. <laughs> but, but know this, is that you're, you're, you're not a surprise. God was not surprised. Oh, man, what am I going to do now, right? And so listen to this truth. So I have a children's Bible. We don't have children. Sabrina and I don't have children. Um, I should say we don't have children yet, but... but, but yeah, no judgment. I don't know. I have a children's Bible. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm a visual learner. <laughs> so I get three pages into that Bible before I, uh, before I choked up. I read this truth. Listen to this. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That means the beginning and the end. Most people call me Jesus. I am God, the Son. I made the heavens and the earth. Even then... Long before you were born, I thought of you and I loved you. Even then, long before you were born, I thought of you and I loved you. Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16 says this. It says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well, or knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, for the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So before the foundations of the earth, before all of this was even there, God knew you and he loved you. Now that's powerful. Right? Not only were you created by God, but you were created for God. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says that everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, whom I created for my glory. Now, I want to make this very clear, is that you were not created uh, in a way that, that God needed you to glorify him. He does not need your glor- you glorifying him, okay? He is the epitome of glory. He is glory itself. He's, he's glory manifested. You were simply made in his image, put on this earth to put that on display. All right, so, so God does not crave your adulation or your praise or, or your worship. However, he offers it as your greatest pleasure. Let me just read that again. You got to write this down. God does not crave your adulation or your praise or your worship. He offers it as your greatest pleasure. And the reality is that if God didn't care for your affections at this very moment, he'd be indifferent on the final day of your misery. All right, so this is starting to show us this thing that, that, that we are made to be satisfied in him, satisfied in God and serving others. That's the very thing that will bring pleasure to the depths of our souls. We're so easy to, to seek for the approval of the people around us, right? Like, we, we look at everybody around us, and, and that's what we're trying to do. As I stand here, I thought of this this week. If I had to come and preach and come and, and teach, and, and, and I do it so that you can tap me on the back and say, Nori, good job, or give me a high five, or, or, or th- and say, hey, you know, maybe you should go preach one day, or whatever. If that was my motivation, I'd go home, and like a broken vessel, water would just flow through. And you know what? In reality, I'd probably, after a couple of weeks, say, you know what? Maybe I should look at doing something else because I wasn't fulfilled when I did this. There's only one way that I can do this in a sustainable, ma- in a sustainable way is if I can say, God, your glory. Like John 3.30 says, you must become more and I must become less. That's the only way that sustainably we're going to bring glory to God. A famous quote that we often... Uh, read about here uh, from John Piper, says that God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. And what that is saying is that you were given the set of abilities and a set of talents, and that when you glorify God, and it's about Him and using your abilities to make much of Him and serving the people around you, you will find a pleasure and a satisfaction, and in that, He is glorified. So, so it's starting to show us that, that God is about our pleasure and our satisfaction. And I'm not talking about your earthly stuff, right? I'm talking about a deep sense of pleasure and satisfaction. So you're cre- created, I almost said you were cremated. You were created by God for God. Second exhortation, something went wrong. All right, so here's how we were created. We were created by God for God. But when we look at the world around us, we see that something went incredibly wrong. Right at the beginning of the Bible, we have this encounter of, um, or, or I should say this, this 
thing happening where God made man and he made women in his image. And, uh, and he said, here's a tree, this one tree, the tree of good and evil that I just want for you to not eat from this tree, but you have the whole garden. And, and human as we are, Eve, Eve, the devil just kind of, he said, you know what, maybe Eve, I think he does just wants that for you because he wants for you to be your own God. Or he does not want that. He wants, he wants to be your God, and he does not want for you to be your own God. And so when that happens is she falls for the devil's lie, and she says, yeah, yeah, I think I can be my own God. Right? And newsflash, you make a terrible God. Right? And so when that happens, there is the separation, because God made them in harmony with him, in communion with him, the way we were supposed to be made. And the way that it will be again one day, but when that happened and when she sinned, it separated us from God. And there was a, something was broken that is uh, no longer perfect anymore. We read in, uh, in Romans 6, 21 to 23, it says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not just some of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when we, when we ask this question, am I the Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? All of us answer that I am the Lord of my life. And again, to my point, something supernatural has to happen in order for you to move from I am the Lord of my life to Christ is the Lord of my life. Earlier in Romans 3, verse 11 to 12, says this, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside or deviated. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Just another piece of Scripture that's kind of like, ah. You know, often people, I know, uh, great evangelist Billy Graham often said how offensive the Bible is, like right here. That's why people, a lot of people don't like it because it says stuff like this. But when we look to the depths of our heart, it's the truth. Um, so I brought these toys. You were asking about them earlier. Um, so here we have a train. Let's put the train. Everybody can see the train right here. We have a, a little bus, and I'll put that right here. And then we have an airplane right here. You guys see the airplane. And so Let's say, I'll just say we have a little car here. So, so what we do is this, right? You were made with a certain set of specs, okay? Each one of these vehicles have a certain thing that defines them in a lot of ways, right? But, but one thing is the same for all of them. Their purpose is for, to get from point A to point B. Point A to point B. All of them were created for that purpose, to get from point A to point B in the same way that you were created to glorify God, right? But a car has four wheels, it has a steering wheel, it has a brake, it has a gas pedal, it has about five seats. For those of you in the minivan club, it's got about eight. Um, but, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so every one of these were created differently with one purpose, all right? I love how this verse says, all have turned aside and deviated. Because here's what we do. We look at the people next to us and we say, you know what, I, I want to go do what he does. Even though you understand your own purpose, your own talents, your own passions, no, 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 maybe because he's famous, I want to go do what he does. And so you're being in your car, you go to the jetway and you go open your doors going 100 miles an hour in jetway and you're trying to take off and it's not happening. 
Because you were made to stay in your lane, to accomplish the very same purpose. So all of us were created very differently, with different specs, different abilities, and different talents for one purpose. So, so, so the, the, the challenge then is to stay in your lane. Okay? You might not be the next Taylor Swift, but that's okay because you're going you're gonna to be in touch with people around you that nobody else can. All right? So, so God made us for himself, for his glory, and he gave each and every one of us a specific talent, a specific purpose, and that's where you should stay. Stay in that lane. So when Adam, uh, when Adam and Eve, when, they, when that original encounter happened and when, when Eve sinned against God, that, that wasn't just going to fly, right? God wasn't just going to let that happen. There was some righteous anger involved. And for, in order for God to stay just to his own character, that had to be punished. That sin had to be punished. So that wrath had to be poured out somewhere. Now, this is where the good news comes in, that Jesus paid the price. Third exhortation. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm going to unpack this here in just a second, but if you have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll give you quickly a second. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So Corinth at the time, very much like Houston, a a trade, a trade, kind of a trade hub, and the Apostle Paul planted a church in Corinth and then left to go plant more churches, and then um, things kind of got out of whack because of all this melting pot of people, there was different backgrounds, different religions, different everything, right? And so Paul gets a note, and he says, uh, or they, they tell Paul, he said, dude, you got to step in because things are kind of going crazy here. So he writes this letter in a response to that, and he addresses certain topics, one being the division in the church, then sexual misconduct, food, um, what the gathering of believers should look like, and then the resurrection of Jesus. And so, so what Paul wants for these people to see is this, he wants to open their minds to this new reality, the reality of Jesus, um, the, the reality of this person who came um, as a sacrifice um, for our sins. So he wants for them to put on their gospel lenses, and when they look at these different topics, to see it through the lens of Jesus. Because when you look at things like the division in the church, sex, food, the gathering, through the lens of the gospel, everything changes. And so he tells, in this uh, chapter 6, he talks to uh, about sexual misconduct, and he's telling them, yes, God cares about your soul, but he cares about your physical body as well. And so he writes as he says, or do you not know that your body is a temple uh, of the Holy Spirit within you? And he emphasizes again, whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. The New Living Translation, I love it how they... They write it in here in the New Living Translation. It says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. I love it when I read that. He said, a high price. Because, friends, Jesus paid the price that you and I could not pay to satisfy the wrath of God and appease his wrath. Something perfect had to be sacrificed, and only Jesus can do that. And so, so that is a God that is worthy of worship. When I think about this, it's, man, like, we, we've, we've had this conversation of religions re recently, and I'm thinking, I just want to tell all these people, listen, there is a God that says you don't have to climb up this mountain and do all these good things to get to me. 
I'll come down that mountain, and you know what? I'll wash your feet while I'm at it. And he'll become the steward of stewards. That is a God that is worthy of our worship. So, so what this does is it moves us from a place to, from I, I have to worship to I get to worship. And that changes it. That changes the game. And so using your talents now becomes simply a response to what God did for you. That's the greatest loved act ever. So let's seek God first in every, everything that we do. So let's just recap this. So you were made by God for God. Something went wrong and we rebelled against him. Because of our rebellion, he had to step in and say, unless I sent my son or I send the perfect sacrifice, you're going to always be without me, which is hell. is separation from God. And he loves you too much. And so he sent his son to, to intervene and to come and enter that space and to die on a cross for you. And now because of that, we can have a relationship with him again and that one day we will all be in communion just the way that he initially intended for us. And so the final thing, I don't want for you guys to walk out of here without some practical steps to go forward. So let's get practical. If you want to make a note, write this down. Write down your personal purpose statement. I know all of us have this, this one thing in common that if you're a Christian, you're a believer, that we have the glory of God as the ultimate purpose. But, but for each and every one of us, we were given different talents, different abilities. Um, and, and for each of us, it's going to be, look a little different. But, but yes, keep the, under, the, the big theme, um, obviously, in the back of your mind. Um, Jesus' purpose statement comes from Mark 10, 45, Luke 19, 10, and John 17, verse 4. It says this, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, I know that's maybe a little bit extensive. And, and for myself, it could be as simple as this, as using my ability to play golf, to make disciples, to make disciples, and to serve other people in the same way that I wish to be served. For all of you, this looks different, right? You've you got to go figure out what that talent is, what that ability is, and write down that purpose statement. And, and if you've never closed your door, put your phone in a different room, and, and come before your creator, he might have an in on the purpose for which you were created for, by the way. And so go ask him, Lord, reveal my talent, reveal my ability, reveal the thing that I'm good at that I haven't figured out yet. I figured out last night it's not bowling. I had a decent first round, but, uh, <laughs> but that was about it. <laughs> Reality came into play pretty quickly after that. All right, so number two, work hard at your passion and your talent. Now, I know for, for some of us, this comes naturally. You're a hard worker. Ask yourself, if, if I am working because of God that transformed me, like I think it's 2 Thessalonians that talks about working as if you're working for the Lord, if that's, is that the thing that drives that passion? Because, because work hard at it. You've got to work hard at your talent. Sharpen it. Be the best at it. Like, you don't have to go sit and twiddle your thumbs in the office or when you play guitar in front of a lot of people or whatever it is that you do. Go work. Be the best at it. And then tell people, listen, here's what motivates me. Point number three. Don't separate secular and Christian things. 
Now, I often hear the statement, it's a God thing. Now, I get the sentiment behind that. I, I totally understand it. But everything is a God thing. All right, everything is a God thing. We're so, man, we'll listen to Nietzsche breathe. Oh, is it Christian? Is it, I don't know if it's Christian. No, 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 listen, everything is a God thing. Me standing here preaching like this doesn't differ any, anything from the person who is, let's say, an engineer or going into the oil field with a hard hat on or whatever you guys do. And your audience is the 10 people around you, all right? Your people, your, your audience might not sit in, in chairs like this or for someone else, maybe in pews or whatever. Your, your audience is the 10 guys right there. Ask him, hey, dude, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Like, when, when you, you, you can, man, just ask people questions. They will, they will talk. They just need someone to listen. So, so when you put your gospel lenses on, like Paul said, or like Paul compels the church in Corinth, that's, my, that's what I want for you, to go put your gospel lenses on and use the talents and the abilities that you've been given and, and change that perspective. So finally, ask this question, Lord, how can I make much of you today? It's a simple question. But when you wake up and you breathe and you say, grace, grace, right? When that's your heartbeat and when that's the the thing that when you put your feet out of your bed and you say, Lord, thank you. Now, how can I make much of your name today? Let that be the thing that every day gets you going. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, popular verse, says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Even in the small things, whether you eat or you drink, let that create a worship in you that, that, that you think of, here's the one who gave it to me. Here's the one who gave everything so that I can have a life here. And, and let that create a worship and let that be the heartbeat of your life. So, so when we ask this question, am I the Lord of my life or is Christ the Lord of my life? If you've put your faith in Jesus, you're going to say, Christ is the Lord of my life. It doesn't make things easier. But I've been transformed. I've been renewed. And if, and if you've been going the other direction of you are the Lord of your life, how's that going for you? How's that going for you? Man, that's empty. There's nothing to it. If a white picket fence and a, a membership at the country club is it, oh, man, there's a bigger purpose for your life than just your own little world. So, so answer that question with your heart and, and bring that before the Lord, okay? You have a chance. Lord said, here's another chance for you. I died so you can have another chance. You just got to raise your hand. Yes, I am in. So let me finish off in this prayer. I'm going to read Psalm 143 um, for us, and uh, then we'll be done. So then Kurt will come up and we'll uh, take communion. Um, so if you would close your eyes. Spire heads as I pray this psalm. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my pleas for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me in your righteousness. Enter not into judgment with your servant, servant, for no one living is righteous before you. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hand. 
I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Selah. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. I have fled to you for refuge. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. And in your steadfast love, you will cut off my enemies. And you will destroy all the adversaries of my soul. For I am your servant. Mighty God, as we come before you this morning, Lord, we answer this question of, of whether we are the Lord of, Lords of our life or, or you're the Lord of our life, Lord, that, that may all of us come before your throne and say that you are the Lord of our lives. Lord, in that pleasure, in the satisfaction of using our talents for your glory, for your renown, to make your name known amongst all nations, Lord. Let that bring satisfaction and pleasure to our souls, that in that you will be glorified. And so, Lord, may every knee that's going to bow just right now know that you are the Lord and you will receive glory. Lord, we love you and we praise your name this morning. I pray for the city of Houston, Lord, where we've seen unrest in this world and people confused with what their purpose is, God. Because they think their purpose is things in this world, Lord. And, and I pray that by the Holy Spirit and by, by the power that you have, you would transform their hearts and open their eyes and let them see that there's only one God that deserves the glory and the worship. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.